Well, we have been for the last several weeks going through a uh, series called Distinctives. And this has been a series looking at these traits or these qualities that describe who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And it's this new life that we have in Christ, that we have a new heart, we have a new life. There are these new distinctives in our life. And if you look in Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses 22 and 23, it gives us several of these qualities that we find for a new believer. Uh, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so we see that for a believer, we bear this fruit. Now, what's interesting about that text in Galatians 5 is it doesn't say the fruits. It's not plural. It says the fruit. In other words, when we become a believer, we get all of this. It's not, okay, I picked up a little bit of, of peace here, and, uh, well, patience, I'll save that one for later. Uh, I mean, after all, I've got to deal with, with Subway five, six days a week, so I'm not, line seven, you got to understand, I'm not going to do patience right now. And so it, it's not that we pick some of, these, some of this fruit, that we're going to get some of it now, and we're going to save some of it for later. When, when we become believers, we get all of this fruit. And so that's what this study, Distinctives, has been, is looking at some of these traits, some of these qualities. It's not covering every single quality that we get when we become a follower of Jesus Christ, but we have focused in on some of this fruit. One of those things is love. And, and what we see in love, first of all, comes from our Father in heaven. It says in 1 John chapter 4 that we love God because he first loved us. And this love that he has for us is unconditional. In other words, it's not dependent on how we live our lives. It's not dependent on what we do or what we don't do, which, which is completely foreign to us. We think that the way somebody responds to us is dependent on how we act, the things that we do for them or the things that we don't do against them. But the truth of the matter is, is that God's love for us is unconditional. In other words, there is nothing we can do that's going to make him love us anymore. The, the moment that, that we become his children, that we confess our sins, that we repent and place our faith in Jesus Christ, there is nothing we can do that's going to make God love us anymore. And at the same time, there is nothing we can do that would make God love us any less. In other words doesn't matter how bad you mess up it doesn't matter how far you get away from God his love towards us is perfect and he's going to be patient with us and he's going to draw us back to him and that love is going to remain the same and so when we have this kind of love for God what we find is that it begins to express itself that when the love that God has towards us is the love that we also have it begins to express itself and one of the ways that it does that is worship. We, we just sang all these songs. Uh, we had a time of giving. And, and this is a reflection of that love. Another thing we've seen in this series is forgiveness. God has forgiven us, not because of what we've done. Uh, we've already stated that. His forgiveness of us is not dependent on us. We can't earn his forgiveness. And that's why Christianity is completely different and at odds 
with every other religion in this world because every other religion says it is dependent, it is based on us. Our acceptance by some higher being, some higher force, some higher object is dependent on me doing certain things. But this is the great thing about the God of the Bible, the one true God, is that his forgiveness is given freely. All we have to do is accept the gift that we find in Jesus Christ. And when we find this forgiveness, then we begin to forgive others. And that's where the service and generosity comes from in our lives. We serve, we're generous because we look at someone else and realize they are no different than me. It doesn't matter what kind of life they lived. It doesn't matter what socioeconomic status. It doesn't matter what country. It doesn't matter what they have done. They're no different than me. We were both born in sin. God has forgiven me, and now I'm going to show that same kind of love, service, and generosity to them. And then uh, a couple weeks ago, when I was preaching, we talked about peace. And the peace that we can have in God, because God is with us. So we have this great God of the Bible. And and we see how amazing he is in all of creation. And, and then this, this incredible truth that we find over and over and over throughout Scripture is that we can know this God. But not just can we know him. He knows us. And because of this, we find great peace in this relationship that we have with him. And this peace is played out in compassion. We heard some incredible stories as Anna and Kay were interviewed a, a few weeks ago in ways that we can serve and have compassion for those that are less fortunate. And so as we have gone through this series, we have seen all of these things in practical ways that they play out in our lives. In fact, the Bible says in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, it says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, Be warmed and filled. Without giving him the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. And we hear that text and your your first thing, your first response may be, wait, wait, Michael, you just said that, that God's forgiveness, salvation is not dependent on us and now it's talking about works. What this text here is saying that is, if we are truly born again, if we have this new life in Jesus Christ, works are going to be a natural overflow of that. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, test and examine yourselves to see whether or not you're in the faith. We should test and examine ourselves. How do we do that? Is there an obvious change in our lives? Not because we tried harder, but because of God working in us. And it says here in James that when we are true followers of Christ, these things happen naturally in our lives. And so this morning, what we're going to do is take uh, uh, some time to interview just a few people here at New City Church that have been born again, that have experienced this new life in Christ and have evident fruit in their life so that you can see real, live, tangible stories of what this looks like in other people's lives. And then as we close today, the challenge is going to be, how do you see that in your life? And so I'm going to interview someone here in just a moment. Uh, We've got Christy's going to interview someone after that, and then John's going to interview someone after that, and we'll close out. But these are real, live, tangible ways that we see 
what the distinctives of Christ look like in our life when we're following him. So I'm going to ask Brittany to come up. Brittany is one of our uh, worship leaders and uh, has been doing an incredible job with that. Um, And so we're going to take just a little bit of time to talk about worship. Uh, As I was just saying, love is one of those distinctives. And when we understand God's love, his love is on display in our lives. We begin to love. We love God most of all, but we also love others. And, uh, and in this love, worship is one of the things that pours out of our life. And so um, we're just going to take a little bit of time uh, to talk about worship. Uh, Brittany, why don't you, uh, first of all, just introduce yourself. Tell us uh, a little bit about how you got into worship and what it means to you. Yeah, to- that wasn't part of the prepared questions, by the way. <laughs> So this is totally on the spot. Um, uh, my name is Brittany. My husband, Ryan, is over here. He plays in the guitar in the band as well. Uh, we're both from Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, two years ago, right around two years ago, um, we felt that the Lord was calling us to New York. Uh, so we moved here. And actually, crazy story, my twin sister went to school for a bit with Christy. Um, and that's how we heard about New City. So it was like... You can't make that stuff up. That is totally like divine intervention from the Lord, placing us in a place in New York. So uh, that's how we ended up at New City. As far as worship, um, I mean, from a very young age, I have always been involved in music, uh, singing. It's definitely something the Lord gave me the gift and the passion, and it's I, I love it so much. Um, so, yeah, as soon as I, I started going to church when I was like 15 years old, um, and basically, ever since I was involved in church, I have been part of a worship team, which is amazing. I love it. Awesome. That's that's an awesome testimony that uh, he started going to church at 15, and immediately worship was a natural part of that as you were a follower of Christ. And as we think about worship being a vital part of our lives as Christ followers, how would you describe what worship is and, and how that can be expressed? Yeah, uh, so I think it it's changing for me all the time. I used to think worship was literally just when we were doing the music. Like, that's when we worship the Lord. Because that's, I thought, you know, the music, worship, that's, that was the time for that. But as, as I grow in my faith and as I just learn more and I'm in the Bible more, it's literally, it's, it's your life. It's, worship is the story of your life and it's our best everything. It's our, it's our time, our energy, our money in some cases, um, the things we choose to, spend our time doing all of those things are worship um you know the word says that everything we do we do for the glory of the lord and it says that whether you eat or drink and we think of eating and drinking as like mundane things unless for me i love to eat um i love food uh you think of those as like everyday mundane things and i think that's a good example of even your everyday mundane things are an act of worship every day day in day out and it's a hundred percent you're giving it to the lord it's not just this like the two hours, hour that we're here, it's every day. Yeah, that's that's great because um, if, if you guys ever see me up on stage when it comes to the music time, something has gone terribly wrong. Um, I am not musically gifted. Um, frogs sing better than me. So, it, you know, you think about that, and I think that's what a lot of people think of when they think of worship is it is just the music. And, and we'll talk more about that in just a moment, that it is other areas of our life. But why is it on Sunday morning, even for someone like me who doesn't have a great singing voice or a great musical talent, 
why is it important for all of us, men and women of all walks of life with all varying degrees of musical talent, why is it important for us to worship and sing together? What, what would you say to someone like me who says, I can't sing? Uh, I think the Lord doesn't care if you can sing, to be honest. I, I don't think the Lord just calls us to give the things that we are good at. He calls us to give it all. And I, th- I have a, a theater background, and in the theater, when you're in class and you're, like, breaking down, why do people just start randomly singing in musicals? Well, the way we justify that is you're, this character in, at a point in the show is the stakes are so high, meaning, like, this situation is so dire that, like, the words themselves don't do justice. So you have to start singing. That's, like, the next level. And I kind of feel that same way about worship, like, when musical worship, like, words themselves are not enough to worship our god like it takes that next level of music or dance or theater whatever it takes that to really like not all the time you know what i mean but music worship and doing it together as a community is just a way for us to do it to the glory of god whether you're good at it or not yeah that's that's a great picture um, you know, just words. Words only take so much of our effort. But for me, for singing, like it, it takes all my effort. And and I've been in places where, where worship also they'll throw in some clapping or something else, and and then my <laughs> lack of rhythm really shows. But um, it it is a great picture of of all of us as a community because God is worthy. And so I, I love the way that you put that. That you you're showing that or saying that. This is something we do as a community, and it takes more than just words because God is worthy. And so I, I love the way that you put that. What, as, as we talk about worship off the stage then, uh, outside of music, what are some practical ways? You, you mentioned some of that, but what are some ways that you intentionally try to worship the Lord off the stage without music? I think that's a great word, intentionally, because like I said, as I grow in my faith, I think it is all about intentionality and where your motivation is coming from. So if you're going to work every day because you like the money, that's, that's not enough to please the Lord. It's not. And that's something I've been convicted about. If you are being kind to people because you feel like it's the right thing to do, that's not enough. You know, God calls us, as I said, every single thing we do in our lives, it, the motivation has to be to the glory of God. It's not because, well, I'm a nice person, or it's not because, like, you know, it's not because I love music and, and the Lord happened to bless me with that gift. It's for the glory of God. And that's something that I struggle with, too. I mean, I love singing. I love it so much. And sometimes, I'm, sometimes it, it is hard for me to not, like, make it about me, you know? But I think that's something that leading worship has helped with to kind of keep that in check. Like, it's not about you. It's, it doesn't matter who's up there singing. The Lord will be glorified. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's very good. So let let me ask you this, since worship is an overflow of what's going on in our life, what are some things that the Lord is doing in your life right now that have just caused you to, to worship? You couldn't help but worship because of what's going on. Yeah. Um, I, there's a lot of things I think, not to get political, but in this political climate, it brings me peace that the same God that is with me every day is also with people across the world. It is the exact same God that is bringing me comfort and bringing me peace and taking care of me day in and day out. And that is the same God that is helping others all across the world. And it makes it, it makes me feel connected to 
even people that I don't agree with on a lot of different things. I know that if he is fulfilling his promise that he is working in my life, he is also working in their life, that the, the work that he started in me is also being created in other people. That brings me a lot of hope and peace. That's awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Brittany. That's a great, great word. Uh, next, we're going to have Christy and Chelsea come up, and they're going to share it from a different area of service. Thanks, Michael and Brittany. That was a lot of fun to listen to. Um, when we first started dreaming up and planning um, this Sunday, we were talking around at our table at staff meeting about who would fit these characteristics well. And, and I was given the task of interviewing someone over service and generosity. And um, myself and another one of our staff members immediately mentioned Chelsea as who we should interview for this. And I think that took her by surprise a little bit because maybe she doesn't see herself in this role as much as we saw her in it. But when I think about somebody that I have met um, at church here and through friendship that just really exemplifies the idea of service and generosity in her life and in her time and her finances, I think of Chelsea. Um, and if any of you guys haven't met Chelsea, it's probably because you haven't either walked through the door or been in children's ministry. I'm just kidding, because she does all these things. She serves on our children's team. She serves on our hospitality team. And um, she's a good friend of mine, and I've seen her live out this idea of service and generosity in a lot of ways. And so I'm excited to have her share with us this morning about what God is doing in her life in this area. So Chelsea, tell us a little bit about what motivates you to serve. Sure. So this is actually a really simple answer, um, and maybe my quickest answer. Um, I serve because it brings me joy, um, because I really enjoy helping people, and if I see a need, I enjoy. If I see a need, then I enjoy filling that need. Um, I feel like we're called to be imitators of Christ, and Christ served, and so I feel like that's just a natural conclusion that I would serve. And she's really not lying about that, guys. I promise you. Like <laughs> Chelsea's, like she serves me in a lot of different ways in my home that I think is just. <laughs> insane and she loves to do it and so she'll come over to small group and she'll stay for an hour and clean afterwards I'm like what are you doing go home like why do you want to be at my house but she really generally enjoys it I've never once heard her complain about serving me as a friend or serving in our church or serving her other friends as well and so um, one of the things that I learned about Chelsea one of the first things I learned about her she, she and I were actually roommates for a little while and so when she and I moved in together we were getting to know each other and um, she told me she served overseas with the North or the International Mission Board in Northern Africa. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. I love missions. And so, um, Chelsea, tell us a little bit about um, why you decided to serve in, um, in North Africa. Sure. So at that point, I felt a really strong calling to serve international people groups. Um, I didn't know in what capacity that would be, and I didn't know what that would look like. Um, but I knew that it was something that I needed to do. So there was this program with the IMB, and I was talking with my mentor at the time. And... Um, so she suggested that I start the process for this program. I go through the application process. And um, along the way, the Lord just confirmed that um, at every step, I was doing the right thing. I should keep going with this. Um, and then the last step in the application process is that you actually go to the IMB offices in Virginia, and you choose your top three jobs. And I remember walking into the room, and it's set up in different regions of the world. Um, so you have, like, North Africa and the Middle East, and you have Sub-Saharan Africa, and you have Euro the European people groups, and there were just library carts, like one or two library carts at each region of the world full of binders, and they're like the big binders, and those binders are full of jobs, and it just overwhelmed me. It was maybe the most overwhelming experience of my life because you just, you're looking at this room, and it's just a room in an office, um, but you see the lostness, like you really feel the lostness 
of the people around the world. And you think it's impossible to choose a job, and it's not. Um, but it was just heartbreaking to experience that. And then I thought, the Lord loves each of these people groups. Um, and I am willing and I am able to serve, so there is no reason why I shouldn't. That's great. Um, being there in North Africa for the time you spent there was a, was a huge sacrifice to you in a lot of ways. And um, I know we've talked before about things that God taught you through that. But can you just speak specifically about what you learned through that experience, kind of directly related to serving others in service? Okay. Um, so I really learned First Peter 4:11 well. And um, part of it says, do you have the gift of helping other, others? Whoever serves, let it be as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified in Jesus Christ. Um, so I learned very, very quickly that I couldn't serve these people out of my own strength, um, that this was not something that I could do on my own. Um, so I was born and raised in Oklahoma. I had served in Oklahoma and done mission trips um, and things, but I was never really out of my comfort zone. I was always serving in a place where I either knew the people that I was serving with um, if I wasn't in Oklahoma or I was in a place that I was familiar with. Um, and... I got to that third leg of my flight to North Africa, and I was suddenly surrounded by my people group, and no one was speaking English, and I just started sobbing. And I sobbed the entire flight from Amsterdam to North Africa, so much so that the guy who was sitting next to me couldn't speak to me, but he pulled out the sick bag in front of him, and he looked at me like, are you going to be okay? <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah, I'm fine, thanks. Um, so um, I... Just, I learned that service sometimes doesn't feel like you want it to feel. So in service, I had always, like, gained something from it. Um, and sometimes that had motivated, like, selfishly motivated to serve um, was to, so that I could gain something from it because it made me feel good. Um, but I learned that service is obedience, and I was being obedient to the Lord, and I had started to question, like, Lord, do you really want me here? I'm such a mess. Um, but I learned that beautiful things can happen when you wake up and you just do the next thing. Like, it feels like work sometimes, but that's okay. Um, when you press through, friendships developed. I learned how to lean on Jesus more. Um, I didn't know how to do anything in this completely new place, so I also had to rely on people that I was around. Um, and I learned that they are worth it, that they are people, and they are worth the sacrifice and me feeling uncomfortable so that they can come to know the Lord, um, hopefully. Um, so there's actually a quote that I read every day. It's by Elizabeth Elliot, um, and she describes it really well, and she says it better than I think I ever could, and she says, this job has been given to me to do. Therefore, it is a gift. Therefore, it is a privilege. Therefore, it is an offering I may make to God. Therefore, it is to be done gladly if it is done for him. Here, not somewhere else, I may learn God's way. In this job, not in some other, God looks for faithfulness. And that really helped propel me every day. Awesome. Um, well, it's really, it's rare that you find someone in life who has the gift of service like Chelsea does without also having the gift of generosity. And uh, we don't just mean this financially, but also, I mean, we've seen Chelsea give financially, but she gives of herself in a way that generosity just flows out of her. And so, Chelsea, tell us a little bit about how the idea of generosity has lived out in your life currently. Sure. So I think in New York City, um, my gift of generosity um, plays out most with quality time, with how I spend my time. Um, right, my friends and I joke because I'm a school teacher, and I teach in Inwood, which is about an hour and a half away. It's in northern Manhattan. 
And um, they joke because they never get to see me, so they're like, do you ever have a life? Because I live at my school. Um, I'm there about 12 hours a day or more, um, but I'm there because those kids deserve it from me. Um, they deserve the best that I have to give them so that they can be successful. And, and so I get the huge task of influencing 130 lives every single day, and I need to take that task seriously. So whatever they need from me, a listening ear, school supplies, engaging lessons, songs about the order of operations, whatever it is, um, they deserve that because this is stressful for them, um, and they deserve to be successful. Um, and then I also think, like, whenever I get home at the end of the day, I was talking to my roommate about this and asking her kind of for her input, and she said, when you get home at the end of the day, even though you've had a really long day and you've been gone a long time, you still like to sit down and ask us how our days have gone. Um, you like to, even though you're tired, even though it's past your bedtime, um, you still like to make sure that you know how we're doing um, and that you talk to us. So I feel like quality time, especially in the city when we're so busy and it's so crazy, um, is one thing that I can give well to other people. Awesome. I'd also like to know how she just mentioned as an adult she has a bedtime, so there you go. <laughs> yes, it's 9 <laughs> o'clock like a grandmother. <laughs> well, thank you, Chelsea, for sharing with us about um, your level of service and gifts. I'm going to invite John and Katie to come up now and share about our next area. Sorry. Well, it is great to, to hear you guys uh, talk about how you can serve in this church, and I, I think probably most of us sitting in this room have found that our church is unique in the fact that, that you can come one Sunday, the very next Sunday, and you may be asked to serve, or, or yeah, you, you're just free to be a part of, of this church. But the thing that you're most free, whether we are old or whether you're young, whether you've been a part of the church or not, you're free to ask questions. So I want to I go back, Katie, uh, back to, to, uh, to getting to know you a little bit. We hear from Patrick all the time but uh, often you know we don't get to meet the pastor's wife and to know more about you and so that's we'd rather hear from you than from Patrick so don't tell him I said that okay hey tell us a little bit about about your spiritual upbringing and I want to ask you something that that, that may be kind of unfamiliar to us as you were bring as you were being brought up what do these words that we talk about and we kick around all the time like like the Lord's Supper or sacraments or uh, communion, the words communion and baptism, what, what, what did that mean to you back in, in the day? Back in the day. <laughs> and for one thing, I was welcomed here this morning, so it was just the funny little um, hug I got from Ms. Nita that um, I'm not used to because I'm upstairs. But, um, um so, like some of you here, I was brought up in a Catholic home, and um, that meant that we went to church every Sunday. Um, it also meant that when I was young, we had religious education classes to go to, and um, even when we were on vacation, we would find a church to go to on Sundays. Um, I think this was very odd for a lot of my friends. Um, and bat the sacraments of baptism and communion were very important as well, and um, having those and regularly doing those, well, baptism as an infant, and then um, 
communion on a regular basis was very important. And in my mind, it was just what good Catholics do to make peace with God. Wonderful. So that was very much a part of your upbringing. But you've also, you also later in, in, in your life became, uh, became uh, a Christian or what we, uh, what we call you know, giving uh, your life to Christ. How did, how did your understanding of all that shift after that? Okay, so when Patrick and I started dating back in the day. Back in the day. <laughs> um, we started going to church with each other and... I started coming to a realization that um, having a personal relationship with Christ was something that um, was attainable. And I think, you know, the knowledge that I had of Christ was more of Lord. And on the flip side of that coin is Jesus Christ as Savior. And so um, Patrick actually... um, Help me in that journey of me surrendering to Christ. And it was in college, um, my freshman year at college, and it was a December night, and we were in his trailer <laughs> at Auburn, and that's when I totally surrendered my life, my will, my mind, and my soul to Christ. And so the shift in me has a lot to do with what Michael was sharing earlier about it's what Jesus did, not what I could do. That's great. You know, and, and I noticed as you were talking, Katie, this becomes an emotional yeah. thing for a lot of us. It really does. And uh, when, we, when we think back, whether it was a few years ago, a few months ago, or many, many years ago, the, the emotions just come because Christ has become such a very important part of our lives. And now... Our lives are centered around what he wants and what he directs. You know, things that we never thought we could do or were, would be called to do are the very things that, that, that we do. <clears throat> if you're okay with this, let me ask you the, a, a question that, that uh, is pretty personal. and But, but I think that, that maybe some of us are, are dealing with to a certain degree. You were baptized as, as a baby, as an infant. But you made a decision to be baptized after you came uh, to faith in Christ. Why did you do that, and why did you feel like that was important to you? Um, Well, it was important to me. First, I really appreciated my parents um, sharing their faith with me and, and baptizing me as an infant. But then I felt like that faith was my own at the time, and I wanted to follow in obedience um, of Jesus's example of being baptized and so many other people in the in the Bible who were baptized after believing in Jesus um, and it really changed my life I feel like it was um, you know by following him in that I felt like it was kind of like a tree and the roots how the roots are planted in the ground firmly so that my faith could grow. Yeah, I love that, Katie. You know, and, and maybe some of us are dealing with that to a certain degree. We've heard that one is, is wrong or that one doesn't mean anything and the other one does. But, but I love the way you put that, that, that with a new understanding, 
with a new understanding of, of your faith in Christ that, that, that now it means something deeper and all that. that that's wonderful. So the last question that, that, that I want to ask you then, now that, that, that you're a believer and we've, we've talked about a couple of these things, how important do you think that communion and baptism is? I mean, speak first of all to how important it is in your life. And, you know, when Patrick, uh, for example, when he talks about baptism and invites those of us that, that, that want to participate in baptism, the first thing he asks is, do you have any questions? That You're welcome to ask any questions that you want to ask. And then secondly, when we get ready to, to do communion, he talks a little bit about, about biblically what it means and how our emotions tie into that. So tell us a little bit about that, about what it means to you now as a believer. Well, Um, I think living in obedience, Jesus calls us to experience the communion and the baptism. And um, communion, I think they're both very good examples in like just a good picture of some a picture of who Jesus is. So communion, I think of as, you know, that's a time when we're confessing our sins and really um, remembering who Jesus is in our life. Um, and then his, we see Jesus in that time, you know, we see his sacrifice, we see his forgiveness, we see his love. And then um, with with baptism, um, it's really a great picture um, that we see just like an outward expression of Jesus' burial and then resurrection, which we want to focus on as believers. Um, and then, so that also, you know, shows how he died for us and is living now. And so for me, too, it's an inward change in me that when I'm baptized, um, you know, I was spiritually dead and now I'm alive. Um, it's just a way for me to express that to others. And I think that's really important to be able to publicly um, show that. I really feel like the... The way when we sh when we have communion together and we publicly have a believer's baptism, um, that we're unifying ourselves in Christ, and I think unity is really important and why we share those things with each other and um, and because my life has changed, like, and I'm alive now spiritually, I should be able to show my love for Christ, my obedience to him, and faithfulness to him. And so those those two things really show that um, that he's alive in me. Katie, what a great demonstration and what a great way to, to put that now she, many of us, are motivated from the inside, from the inside to do these things. 
and uh, and and the, the others of you and and the many of you here know that, that 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 we've been gifted and the church is not just the people that stand up here every sunday it's us it's us and so i hope that you'll talk to these three along with patrick and the, and the other pastors but uh, katie thank you very much it's good to get to know you better Well, thank you, uh, the three of you, for taking time and willing to be vulnerable and, and intimate and share these areas of your life. As we close, I just want to leave you with this thought. First uh, Peter 3.15 tells us to always be ready to give a defense for the hope that is in us. If you had been asked today to come up here and talk about worship or to talk about service or to talk about baptism and communion, would you have a testimony? Would you have something that you could share? And if you don't, why not? If you didn't have something you could have shared in those areas, why not? And so I just want to leave that as a, as a question for you to think about and reflect on as we think about these distinctives. Do you have that hope in your life?